The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning, everybody. Um, I come to you with heavy head. <laughs> uh, I was out of town for an uh, extended period uh, doing a site visit to another school, met at a conference, and got quite sick down there, which is miserable, and thankfully I feel a lot better, but I'm still dealing with the remnants <clears throat> of the cold, and so I apologize for the way that I sound. I don't know how bad it is for you, but I feel like I'm in an echo chamber myself, so. <clears throat> um, I was doing a lot of thinking while I was gone, as I was laying on the bed, not wanting to do anything else, and I was thinking, will I be alive when I speak in chapel? <clears throat> And I was just thinking about uh, my time in student life. Uh, believe it or not, this is my 35th year uh, working in student life. I began as an RD uh, at Fort Wayne Bible College up in Indiana right after Patty and I got married. And then I moved to South Carolina to finish seminary. And then someone there found out I had been in student life. I uh, ended up working at uh, CIU, Columbia International University, down there. For 31 years, I was the dean of men when I started out, and then I was the assistant dean of students, the associate dean of students, and I was the dean of students down there. Uh, and then the Lord led Patty and I up here. And I've had the privilege of interacting with hundreds of students through the years. Uh, and I know that I have been impacted uh, in so many ways. Um, the way the Lord has reminded me, I was a little bit of a bonehead uh, in college, and so for those of you uh, that are following in my footsteps as boneheads now, beware, you reap what you sow, you may end up being the dean of students and have to deal with people like you uh, someday. <laughs> but the Lord just kind of really impressed on me uh, his goodness through the years. Um, I've thought about doing other things. Uh, at one point in time, I was looking for something else to do, and I couldn't think of anything else. Maybe it's, I didn't think I was qualified for anything else. <laughs> but I have just uh, loved the richness of working with students. It has filled my heart. Uh, the two years that my two daughters were going to the school where I worked were some of the richest years of my life when a lot of dads become distanced from their daughter when they go off to college and they grow up in so many ways. I had either one of them probably on the couch in my office almost every day uh, coming by. And what was the best thing and the richest probably of my entire student life experience is that there were about five years as they both went through school that I wasn't so much dean of students that I got to be dad. Uh, I got to know so many students in a different way because they were hanging out at our house. Uh, they were friends with my daughter, and so they got to hang out, and it was just rich. And so as Andrew was talking about the phone app, um, and as I was thinking that I need to speak after the intro of the phone app, uh, community came to my mind. Uh, I don't know how many times Andrew used the word community uh, in his little advertisement there, but it was a significant number. Uh, and I have loved the opportunity to live in the higher ed community uh, for the last 35 years of my life. And Patty as well, it's been an experience that we've enjoyed uh, together. She adds a lot 
she probably uh, adds more than I realize. The way that she supports me, loves me, and prays for me. Um, but then the way she gets to know some of you as she comes out to events uh, and interacts with you. Uh, and I know we're early in our time at Cairn, um, but, but she really loves the community as well. And so thinking about community uh, was just thinking about what's going on in our community. Uh, and so if anybody is in here that's a visitor, this is uh, a dean talk to students, just a heart to heart about our community, uh, the way the world is impacting us, and the way that that filters its way into our campus. And so uh, as we dig in, let me just pray for us as we get started. All right. Father, I love you. I'm so grateful for the ways that you have uh, ministered to me, taught me, encouraged me, filled me, uh, and then challenged me uh, in the years working with students. Uh, Lord, many of them uh, come from backgrounds that I can't fully understand. Um, thank you for the home that you gave me, a mom and dad that were the first in their families to know you, uh, and then coming together in marriage and trying to... Uh, build a Christian home. Uh, thank you for all that they did. Um, but Lord, as we think about uh, what you've called us to be and what you want us to be as a community, uh, help us as we just think at the fundamentals today about community and what we're anchored in. I pray for those that are challenged to look at their phone and be distracted. I pray that they would just give ear to the question, what do I believe? And so, Lord, as I've meditated on your word and uh, really just pondered this chapel, I pray that you would speak to hearts, uh, use me and my stuffiness uh, to communicate your truth, but would your spirit really drive it home, Lord? And for those that are flippant about what they say they believe, would you kick them hard, uh, maybe not now, but at some point in time to really consider uh, what they're doing uh, with what they say they believe and know. So commit it to you, Lord. Guide us, I pray, in your name. Amen. So the passage that Andrew read, very familiar maybe to some of you, 1 John 5, 13. If you've went to a camp and had to do memory verses, probably had that one there. These things are written unto you. Believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. A powerful one. Uh, and it really defines our community. So when you think of community, what do you think of? What comes to your mind when you think of community? Is it a bunch of houses in a neighborhood and you walk in and there's this sign that says, beware, slow children at play. Uh, does that make it a community? Speed limit all of, a, all of a sudden drops down to 25 or 15 miles an hour. Does that make it a community? What defines that? Well, what brings us together? There's several things that define us. Uh, some of you go to classes with other people. In that class, there's your friends. That becomes a little community. You're in a major. Uh, you've been hanging out with some people. If you're a senior, some of you graduating in just a couple of short weeks, you've been hanging out with people in your major for a few years now. Uh, are they your community? Residence hall life. Many of you live uh, in the halls, some of you live up in Manor, and some of you have developed this mystique that's in Manor that makes that a special community. 
uh, that can be there. There's activities that we share together. Remember to flag the right app uh, notifications so you get the special thing. But some of those things, clubs, organizations that you're a part of, music, drama, sports, those things are a community that you're a part of. But what should be most telling about us as a community and as our identity in Christ? That is why this school is here And I would hope that that is a significant part of why you are here. It is unavoidable. Uh, If you came for one thing and you don't think you're going to get the mission part of things, you're wrong. Uh, It's a package deal. Cairn's mission statement expresses a community. Cairn exists to educate students to serve Christ in the church, society, and the world to be biblically-minded, well-educated, professionally competent men and women of character. That is who we are. That is the mission that was decided well before I came, well before you came, and that defines us, and that's what draws us together. So as I mentioned, as I prayed, I just want you to stop and think for a second, uh, what do you believe And I want you to go beyond the very metaphysical, wonder what for lunch. I believe I'm hungry. Go beyond that and think what is at the core of your being? What do you believe? Do you believe God is real? Do you believe there is an afterlife where there is a heaven and a hell? Do you believe something gets you in one place or the other? What is that? My understanding in the way that we operate and this passage kind of leads us this way is those things that we believe draw us to develop conclusions, those things that we know. And when we know those things and are convinced of those things, they cause us to do and to act. What do I believe, and what do I know, and then how do I act accordingly? And that can happen in so many different places. One way that it happened in my life is I interacted with this young lady when I was in college, and one day I was back at my house, excuse me, and I thought, I believe I really like her. I believe I could hang out with her for a really long time, like the rest of my life. And so I was like, I know that I'm going to go after Patty. And that was a long ordeal. And I know that Dr. Williams has talked about dating, and he will continue to do that. If you ever want to hear the trials and tribulations of Rick's pursuit of Patty, Uh, come by sometime in the office. I love to tell the story only because of the happy ending. Uh, And 36 years, going on 37 years, uh, she still likes me too. So um, that's a good thing. I do need to make a confession. Uh, I knew you know I'd have dropped this in there somewhere. I am very jealous of my wife right now because she is down in South Carolina with my daughter, son-in-law, and our grandson, Bo. And so she sent me this picture yesterday on their front porch with the 
Thanksgiving decorations around her, just sitting on the porch with Bo on her lap, and I was moved to tears, and I need to get going, otherwise I will cry right here. Um, But that belief led to a knowledge that I really want to do this thing. I want to jump all in. And then I stood before a bunch of people on July 17th, 1987, and I made that commitment. I know that I love her, and I know that I will love her the rest of my life. And that convicted me and moved my actions ahead. And so the scriptures that Andrew read for us from 1 John, written by John, the disciple and friend of Jesus, uh, the one in his uh, gospel, didn't refer to himself by name, but called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That respect and adoration and love that he had for him the way that it changed his life uh, comes out in some very poignant truth in 1 John. He gets down to business. And so I want to just kind of go through this quickly and then make application for us as a community together. Uh, He was Jesus' friend. But as that friendship developed as they walked together, he was convinced that he was not just Jesus the person, that he was Jesus, the Son of God, come down with a purpose. And the purpose was you and me, to buy us back to the Father. And so, let me just read through this one more time. 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. So John just presents here the testimony that relays what he believes. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come in flesh, going back to the Father one day. This is who he says he is. And so, It says here, we're not going to get into a big exegetical look at this, but there's some differences of opinion. What the water and blood stand for is that birth and death. Um, Most scholars agree that it refers to actually those things that identify him as uh, the Son of God in flesh, and that is his baptism, the water, and then his crucifixion, uh, that Uh, There are those that believe that at the point of his baptism, the Spirit came upon him, and that's when Christ, Jesus, the Son of God, came on to that man, Jesus. And that man was there, and the Spirit and and the Godhead part was with him until death, and then it left uh, at death. And that's not the case. And so what John is communicating is that Jesus came, born of a virgin, just as it says in Scripture, The Spirit came upon him to testify that this is my Son in whom I am well pleased as God spoke uh, through uh, to those that were in observance on that day and that he was there all the way until the death, burial, and the resurrection, that blood part, that God was in man at that time. All of those theological things, that's what John is pointing towards. The Spirit, it says, confirms this testimony. If you look 
Uh, if you want to flip over John chapter 15, the Spirit testifies of this, and, and John wrote about this earlier. He says, but when the Helper comes, remember, he says, I'm going to go away, and it's good for me to go away because if I don't go, the Helper won't come. But when the Helper comes, the Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so here we see that the Spirit has come down. Not only is there this physical evidence that is there, that testimony in Jesus' baptism and in his death of who he was, but the Spirit testifies and he continues to testify to us today through his word. The Spirit illuminates the scripture to us and it challenges us and teaches us about him. Verse 9 and 10 If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. God the Father himself has given testimony of the Son. John writing earlier in John chapter 5 says, But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father has sent me. And the Father who has sent me has himself borne witness about me. His voice you have never heard, his form you have never seen, and you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe the one whom he has sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life." And so God the Father has borne witness that Jesus is the Son of God. He is fully man and fully God here with us. And then John just makes it very simple for us to declare this is what the testimony is, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Have the Son of God does not have life. And so there it is, very simple. God has provided a way for us to be with him forever. What sin made impossible, God has made possible. This life, this eternal life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has this eternal life. Whoever doesn't, doesn't. And then John uh, continues in verse 13 uh, that I quoted a little bit earlier. He just wrote, so that we would know that belief leads to knowledge. These things are written unto you that believe that you may know. Do you believe this? Seriously. Ask yourself the question, do I believe that? I know that there have been times in my life where I have questioned, I have had doubt, things have been going on, I've struggled with the sin, Uh, I've struggled with forgiveness, I've struggled with circumstances where I'm like, God, really? Are you really, really there? I don't feel it. Uh, And that's where our feelings can become so difficult. Feelings don't tell us the truth. Feelings affirm what's going on inside us. And so in a faith struggle, it's this wrestling. I believe this. Lord, I know it's the truth. Help me know it's the truth. And drives me to his word. 
He drives me to someone I can sit with that will echo the word back to me to reinforce, yeah, I believe that. Yes, I know that's true. I don't feel that right now, but I know it's true. God, help me in my unbelief. As I sit here and as I shake, uh, Lord, in these circumstances, would you show me that you're there? As I mentioned uh, in another chapel, there's a group of us that's working through the book of James. We're attempting to memorize it, um, but more so, hopefully, we're getting to know what's there to let God change us as he deems best. It's a hard book. It just comes smack at you. It doesn't cozy up next to you. It confronts you. It hits you. This is James, the brother of Jesus, that's writing. You know, I sometimes think about some of the authors of Scripture. What were their circumstances? James, thinking back to his childhood, and Jesus, this perfect little kid, teaching people in the synagogue at 12 years old. Jerk. <laughs> you know, I don't know. what. I mean, they're human beings. Come on. You know, they're going to have emotions. But what was going on there? But somewhere along the way, James believed, James knew, and James took action. And unfortunately, <laughs> at times, he writes to us because the action isn't measuring up to what we know. Two passages that come to mind. No grading, guys. This is freebie. James 1, 26 and 27. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, that person's religion is worthless. Now, it uses the word religion there, and that really messes me up sometimes because I view faith as different than religion. But I think James is playing some games with words here uh, where he's muddying those two together to nail us on either front. If we say that we have faith, if we believe that we have faith, and we're not bridling our own tongue, and we're deceiving our own heart, then really what we say we believe has become worthless because the actions don't back it up. You know, we talk with some people sometime and you get to talking with them about faith and you're trying to share the gospel with them and they say, yeah, I'm religious. I go to church. Well, how often do you go to church? Well, like Christmas, I really like the Christmas service. Easter, I'll go Easter and sometimes, you know, when my mom comes into town, mom will drag me to church too, and I like going that, but I like being around those people. And I, yeah, I believe in God, and I believe in the big guy upstairs. That's all good. This religion that is some kind of a show that we put on, I think we all know uh, that that kind of religion makes no impact on who we are. And again, that religion is worthless. And if that one doesn't hit hard, well, it comes back in the next chapter, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But you show partiality. You are committing sin. And you are convicted by the law as transgressors. Wow. Man, this stuff that he's talking about, watching our tongue, showing partiality, we all play favorites. We all single people out. 
You may not call it showing partiality, but when you start picking on someone, teasing them, slamming them, whatever it is, you have shown partiality. I am here and you are here. Therefore, I'm superior. I can do whatever I want towards you. You are not in the same classification that I am. You are beneath me. And so slamming you, not a problem because I'm up here. You are committing sin and you are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so here lies the challenge for us. What are we going to do? What do you know? Excuse me. What do you believe? What do you know? And what do you do? You only have to watch the news for five minutes today to see the anger, the venom, the hatred that's out there. Uh, Words get flung around. And they either go so deep into someone that they withdraw, they go into depression, they may eventually commit suicide. There is just this caving in of a soul that gets created by those words that cut deep. Or they result in retaliation. We fire back. Oh yeah, you think you're here? Well, let me tell you something. Boom. And I've shared before, that's where I was caught for a long time. And here's the thing that scares me, and maybe you're like me, you get out there, you know, you watch videos about road rage, and you're like, man, these people are nuts. The things that they do. But do you ever feel your blood begin to boil when someone takes your space on the road? Whatever they do. Man, I feel that sometimes. And I'm like, why? You know, I, it's just, it's, it's crazy. So, that happens out there, but we're not immune to that on this campus. So much of what we deal with in student life is this. These words, these actions towards other people that says, you're so beneath me. I will take advantage of you because I am here and you are here. You are an object. I am a person. That's really the way it comes across. And if you've been on the receiving end, you know that it hurts. I was little all my life. I had thick glasses and I was a nerd. And I took it. I took it all the time and I really struggled And what made it worse is that when I got to high school, I felt like, man, if I could just get a girlfriend, then I'm going to be okay. And I got turned down so many times, asking a girl to a dance, asking a girl on a date. And it just hurt. What does it look like for you? All the way back to the very basics. What do you believe? Do you believe there's a God? Do you believe he died on the cross for you? Do you believe that you have sin that has separated you from God? Do you believe there's eternal life? Do you believe when you die, you just die? It's the end. Then what does your knowledge push you to do? We are 
going through here to be men and women of character. That character is defined and embodied in Christ and his word. And that's what we should be pursuing. It hurts when we open up emails, when someone walks into student life to share a problem and it's one person here trashing another person here, taking advantage of them. That does not echo a belief that is consistent with what Karen is all about. And even more so, it doesn't echo a belief that's consistent with you if you claim to know Christ. My challenge is that we would do this. I'm not without guilt. I do the same things. Sometimes I don't give people the time that I should. Sometimes I feel like I have more important things. That's so wrong. It's a bad, bad world out there. It's a world desperately in need of Christ, and we've been called to be salt and light. And I pray that we could be a proving ground here. Yeah, things are going to happen, but what happens after that? Can we come back together, put Christ in the middle, and say, I was wrong? Can I get back on true, on the truth with you? Let's pray. Lord, you wrote these things for us that we would believe and we would know. And then you put a bunch of other stuff in your word so that we could do. The same way that we get to know you, Lord, through that faith is the same way we do. We can't without you, Lord. We desperately need your grace. We need it to overwhelm us and to help us. And Lord, frankly, we need your grace to come hard sometimes through one another, that we would call each other out, that we would stand with those that are being belittled, those that are being picked on, those that are being taken advantage of. Lord, help us not to stand in the shadows. Help us to be there pushing for what is right. Give us the boldness of James to write the way that he wrote the things that he did, that we would confront each other to do the right thing. Lord, our religion is not worthless. It is in you. It is the truth. And help it to impact our lives, Lord. Thank you for your patience with me. So many times. And we all need that patience and your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you. Lord, by your spirit, do your work, and as we gather to pray after the chapel, uh, move some to come and pray, and maybe just sit there and think of what you are doing in them, Lord. Uh, Don't let us off the hook. Challenge us to represent you well, Lord, by your spirit, by your grace. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.